Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Persistent rain causes major flooding in a small town in New York. A huge amount of rain fell in a short amount of time. And the mutilated corpse of a young woman is suddenly discovered. You can clearly see the hands were missing and looked like the body was set on fire. The horror of the moment I can't even imagine. Is this some kind of psychotic serial killer? Facing off against torrential rains, investigators are left grasping for answers. I knew that this was going to be problematic in collecting the forensic evidence. But in the end, will Mother Nature also be a surprising ally? Clearly the weather was a major factor. It worked both for and against this case. In Rockland County, New York, the small village of Spring Valley is a multicultural suburban oasis for those looking to escape the hustle and bustle of big city life. Spring Valley is just north of New York City, approximately 25 miles from Midtown Manhattan. It's a bedroom community, but the people generally are uh, hardworking, solid citizens. With four distinct seasons, it's also perfect for enjoying the scenic beauty of the Hudson Valley region. The Hudson River is gorgeous scenery, but um, it does affect uh, our temperatures and our climate in Spring Valley. Now, typically winters are cold with the occasional snowstorm, but the summers, they're hot and they're humid. I mean, technically speaking, you can see rainfall all year long. We average around 50 inches of precipitation a year in this region. But in the winter of 1997 and 1998, a large area of warm water formed over the East Pacific Ocean. This feature is known as El Nino, and this one was particularly strong. It influenced weather patterns across the planet. The 1997-98 El Nino is known as the El Nino of the century. This thing altered weather patterns around the globe to create drought, flooding, other natural disasters. I mean, you had roughly 16% of the world reefs that died off, and the lower levels of the atmosphere actually warmed by roughly two degrees Fahrenheit. While it may not be known how El Nino directly influenced the summer weather over Spring Valley, it certainly was a wet mid-June. During that time period, we were having some unusually large amounts of rain, and more importantly, consistent rain. It was raining for days at a time. And just everywhere you wanted to go, you're running around in, in pouring rain. I clearly recall that time period based on the amount of rain we were getting. For the citizens of Spring Valley, that usually means flooding, and plenty of it. The Spring Valley area has a lot of little streams and tributaries that come down from the Catskill Mountains and will ultimately feed into the Hudson River. So when there are large rain patterns that come through, very often these streams and tributaries will overflow. Moderate flooding is normal in any year, but when you add the El Nino effects, 
you can certainly expect places that typically do not flood to definitely do so. But locals had no idea what horrors the floodwaters were about to reveal. As rainwater fills the streets, the Spring Valley Police Department receives an urgent call from a local homeowner. He was in his backyard assessing the damage of overflowing stream from his backyard due to the weather that had just occurred previous days. We had a lot of overflows in our streams, in our brooks. He has a little stream that runs behind his property that um, overfloods. And so he checks it all the time just to make sure it's clear. But this time, he made a shocking discovery. He noticed what appeared to be a body. The caller was uh, sure that it was a, a person. Police responded, and they confirmed that it was, in fact, a body that was in the creek at the time. There's no question that officers are looking at a brutal murder and quickly notify homicide. Some of my fears and major concerns was that I knew it, that we had just had a heavy rain and it was flooding and how much evidence would be washed away, so time was of the essence. Spring Valley detectives and the Rockland County Bureau of Criminal Investigation immediately arrive. They try to make their way to the body, but the weather conditions seem determined to stand in their way. Well, we had about 1.3 inches of rainfall in that area between 10 a.m. and noon. But between 11 a.m. and noon, we had 3 quarters of an inch. So we had plenty of rain to completely saturate the entire area. It was down in the, like an embankment, and it was like muddy. You could see there was going to be a little problem because of the rain. It was going to be a slippery situation. So we had to be very careful. Once they get closer to the body, they are quickly taken aback by the gruesome sight. This particular body had been mutilated in terrible ways. The body actually was split open and looked like the body was set on fire. The body was wrapped in some kind of a plastic covering that obviously had been burned and had been melted onto portions of the body. And the head was wrapped in, it looked like some kind of cloth or plastic that was melted to the body. But what was really, really odd and disturbing was that there were no hands on this body. I was in shock to see a human body in this condition. It's probably one of the worst homicides I've ever witnessed in my entire career. It's difficult for police to tell cause of death, and they have little hope of making a visual identification. But um, based on certain features, you could tell it was a female. Exposure to the elements has also rapidly accelerated decomposition. Given the nature and the condition of the body, it was feared that this had happened a while ago. It would not be possible to determine how long the body was there. There were so many factors that had to be considered. The weather, um, how the body was set on fire, which sped a lot of things up. Detectives also fear that any forensic evidence may have already been lost in the downpour. Footprints, if there are any, are being dissolved. Evidence lying along the sides of this ditch may be washing into the water. Police spread out to see if they can find the victim's missing hands or anything else of value. But to detectives, it looks like the heavy rainfall pushed the body downstream from wherever it had originally been hidden. It was my belief that it definitely happened at another location. If that body had came through the drainage ditch itself, it would have to be um, a lot of force 
and the rain that we had at the time and the flooding would be enough force to push a body through there. Not knowing where the body started from, that posed a lot of difficulties. There's valuable evidence that could have been at that location. As the body is carefully removed for an autopsy, it's clear to seasoned investigators that this killer is no amateur. They were determined to not only dispose of this body, but to do things to this body so we could make an identity. The fact that the abdomen had been slit to expose the intestines brings it to an entirely different level. This is mutilation for the sake of mutilation. What would be the motive for doing such a horrific thing to this person? Investigators must now solve one of the most horrific homicide cases the area has ever seen. There was no other one that was like this one. This one was unique. But will the weather help or hinder their efforts to find a killer? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. In the summer of 1998, Global weather patterns were still adjusting from the recent strong El Nino. Every so often, a, a weather pattern known as El Nino will come through the Northeast area. And in June of 1998, that was the case. El Nino is described as the warming of the surface waters in the Eastern Pacific. This is basically right down towards the equatorial regions due to the weakening of trade winds. So you got to think, you've got this warm body of water. And this could actually impact the climate all over the globe, including right here in the United States. Now for Spring Valley, this basically means you have either a wet spring and or an early summer. 
The heavy rains led a local homeowner to discover an unidentified woman's body in a flooded creek behind their house. This had to be one of the most difficult cases I've worked. I've never had one where the hands were cut off and the body basically mutilated and set on fire. crime scene, police have spread out to search the area for clues. One of the things was we were trying to find the, the two hands and see if it was in that area. We were all very curious as to the location of where the body was actually found and how did it get there. This was the residence of, uh, of someone. It was in the backyard. And during our search, there was a gate by the, the, the street that led to this brook, and the padlock was broken. and. It was an assumption that this may have been the entry to the brook where he disposed of the body. But a search of that area reveals nothing of significance. Unfortunately, because of the flooding and everything, any footprints or anything that may have been there were washed away. Police canvassed the neighborhood, but no one reports seeing or hearing anything strange. And despite exhaustive search efforts, investigators find no sign of who their victim is or who might have killed her. My biggest fear was, was this an isolated one-time incident or are we going to start having a pattern of this? Is this something that organized crime might be involved in, possibly sending a message to someone? Is this some kind of a psychotic serial killer? Or could the victim have known her killer? I'm thinking that it was somebody that had a special relationship with them. To do what they did to this body, it was something more personal. Frustrated by the lack of clues at the crime scene, Investigators hope that an autopsy may hold the key to identifying their victim. A few hours later, during the preliminary examination of the body, the medical examiner is able to provide essential information about their Jane Doe. It was believed that she had bleach blonde hair. She was approximately a 20-year-old female. Based on her bone structure, we believe that she was Hispanic. She was a petite woman. Her teeth and mouth area were intact. That was very important because a lot of times you can use dental records to identify a person. She did have a very distinct teeth. She had a gap in between her front teeth. Despite the advanced state of decomposition, the medical examiner is able to determine the cause of death. There was blunt force trauma to the left side of the head. It looked like she got hit with possibly a hammer or something, and we can only hope that she died instantly so that she did not suffer. It was determined that a lot of the other damage that had been observed on the body was done after death. The ME also points out the clear scent of an accelerant. I don't believe they narrowed it down to exactly what it was but it was determined that that accelerant definitely was used to set the body on fire. We weren't sure if he was trying to destroy evidence or if he was actually trying to burn the body up. When a body is incinerated in this manner, um, you're losing hair and fiber evidence. You're losing possible other blood evidence. You are destroying levels of potential clues and anything that may have survived the blaze had long since been washed away in the rains. It was very challenging at the time, and 
Because there was no hands, obviously we couldn't get any fingerprints. And it was gonna be very difficult to find out who is this person. In the days ahead, Rockland County and Spring Valley investigators work to build off what they do know about the victim. Now that we determined that this was a female in her approximately 20s of a Hispanic background, it gave us a little, not a lot, but it gave us a little more to go on. They start looking at reports for any possible missing persons, if there were any calls that had come in in the previous days. We've called outside agencies. We even expanded it to outside counties. Our computer systems aren't the way they are today, so there was a lot of legwork. Unfortunately, at this time, uh, we did not discover anybody that matched our victim's description as being a missing person. Desperate for a lead, police turned to the public for help. We were trying to figure out the best way to identify the body because then hopefully we can determine anybody that knew her. The police bring in a sketch artist to do a rendering of the person that had been found. And that was ultimately published in local newspapers and TV stations. Meanwhile, temperatures start to climb. As tips start to come in, investigators keep their eyes peeled for similar cases. Are there any other types of cases that involve this such intense mutilation? That's when one grabs detectives' attention. The Spring Valley Police contacted a local police department that had a similar type of case many years before. Where the suspect had killed his girlfriend and mutilated the body. Could New York have a sadistic predator on the loose? It absolutely crossed my mind that we were dealing with a serial killer, and not only a serial killer, but a vicious serial killer. Is this a serial killer that's going to start killing other people in our community? What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In June of 1998, police in Spring Valley, New York, were dealing with hot temperatures and major flooding when the mutilated body of a Jane Doe washes through a flooded drainage ditch. The way our freaks are, if we get a heavy rain, uh, we have very bad flooding. And those heavy rains in Spring Valley, New York, led to flooding that uncovered the murdered and mutilated body of a young woman. Spring Valley detectives learned that in Yonkers, eight years earlier, police there investigated a murder of a young woman named Rosie Vasquez. Very similar, a young woman murdered and mutilated. Rosie was only 5'1", about 120 pounds. Very similar to the victim. She also changed her hair color. Could it be a coincidence? The prime suspect in that case was her boyfriend, Napoleon Boney. And although he was acquitted of murder, detectives in Yonkers are convinced that Boney had killed Rosie Vasquez. They have not been able to prove it. And they went to trial and he was not convicted, but he calls and just gives them information that only the killer would know. Could Boney be responsible for the murder of their Jane Doe? We were concerned because he had been known to come to Spring Valley, so we had to do our due diligence and do a lot of investigation into his background and exactly his locations of the time of approximate time of this homicide to try and see if it was him or rule him out. Detectives spend weeks investigating Napoleon Boney, but in the end, they struggle to make any headway. There was really no connection to, to the case that they were working on. And after almost a month of following dead-end leads, detectives are running out of options. At that time, we did have limited manpower and resources because our uniform officers were, unfortunately, tied up with the flooding and making sure our residents of Spring Valley were still safe. But just when all hope seems lost, a call comes in that breaks the case wide open. We received a call from a John Gordon, who was the owner of a local Spanish convenience store. And he was telling us that he had been reading the El Clarion newspaper where we put the sketch in, and he recognized the sketch. The sketch resembled a young woman who used to come into his shop and speak with him on a daily basis. Her name was Beatrice Alvarez. According to John Gordon, the resemblance is uncanny. Mr. Gordon said that in particular, the gap between the two front teeth that was in the sketch was exactly how Beatrice Alvarez had a gap. That made him positive that this was Beatrice Alvarez. Beatrice Alvarez was born in Cuba in 1977 and immigrated to the United States with her family in 1980. Beatrice arrived in the United States at the age of three during the famous Mariel boat lift in which enormous amount of Cuban refugees left Cuba and came to this country. A lot of refugees settled primarily in South Florida. Beatrice then came to the New York area with her mother and she grew up in the Queens area. However, Beatriz's family struggled to rebuild their lives in the U.S. and went their separate ways. Her mother wound up being in a homeless shelter, and so Beatrice, at a very young age, was really on her own. 
Despite her challenges, Beatriz looked forward to her future. She had aspirations to be a model. She liked to sketch, and she always carried a sketch pad with her. And she was hoping to pursue a career as an artist. She was a, a friendly person, outgoing, uh, very social. She wound up staying in the New York City area because she was pursuing her dreams. Before long, Beatriz met a handsome man who swept her off her feet. It was May of 1998 when a mutual friend introduced Beatrice to Vinicio Valverde, and apparently it was love at first sight. Beatrice moved in with Vinicio in his small apartment in Spring Valley, hoping to find some solid footing to pursue her goals. When you come from rough beginnings like that, you have aspirations, and Beatrice, like millions of others, had the American dream. She wanted a better way of life. With a possible name to their Jane Doe, investigators asked John to speak with them at the station to learn more about Beatrice. I was really excited because this was the first time that I had a solid possible identification of my victim. As details unfold about Beatrice's life, the investigation gained speed. I finally, finally got the break I needed. But they've only scratched the surface of a case far stranger than anyone could have imagined. He claimed that he had psychic powers and that he could cast spells on people. The pieces are starting to fall together and not making a pretty picture. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Back in 98, we were getting a lot of flooding and a lot of humidity because of the effects of the climate at the time. And those heavy rains in Spring Valley, New York, from an El Nino cycle, uncovered the murdered and mutilated body of a young woman. We were dealing with someone that obviously knew what they were doing by removing the hands to prevent any identification of this person. Spring Valley investigators asked John Gordon, who identified the sketch of the victim as 20-year-old Beatriz Alvarez, to come to the station. The following morning, John Gordon arrives to speak with police. 
and he was explaining to me that he knew Beatrice just from the area. He tells detectives that Beatrice used to stop by his convenience store every day. He said that, that um, she would frequent there every morning, would come there and just hang out with him during the daytime and they would have conversations. But he said that she had stopped coming into his shop about a month ago, right at the time that the body was found. In speaking with Mr. Gordon, he seemed genuine. He seemed very concerned. I think Beatrice viewed him as the father that she really never had. And so she confided in him a lot about her personal life and a personal relationship. Detectives ask him about the men in Beatrice's life. And John says she did have a new boyfriend. Mr. Gordon told the police that Beatrice was living in Spring Valley with an individual by the name of Vinicio Valverde. John became concerned when Beatrice stopped coming around for a few days, and he knew that was uncharacteristic of her. So he went to Venezio and said, where is she? What happened? Venezio had told him that she got in a van with him and was going back to the city to live with this musician. All he knew was that the musician came to the house, she grabbed her belongings and put everything in the car, and he said she's never coming back. But John admits the story sounded strange especially because he knew Venicio to be a very jealous man. Beatrice would tell him that he was very controlling and he was very possessive. He needed to know where Beatrice was at all times. Beatrice did say that they did fight a lot and that she really didn't want to be with him anymore and she was looking to leave. To investigators, it sounds like the first glimmer of a possible motive. I have a very jealous boyfriend who now is probably the last person that saw her alive. I was thinking it could have been a, a domestic thing that went bad. It could have been a jealous thing. Investigators ask if John knows where Beatriz and Vinicio live, and he agrees to take them there. He did not know the actual address, but he knew the house that she lived in. Later that day, police approach Venicio's home, and he lets them in. The house is more of a rooming house where everybody rents rooms. Mr. Valverde had a small room in this home. It was not air-conditioned. Immediately, they see something very unusual and disturbing. There was a table, and it was um, it was set up it was like a memorial, and it had candles burning. That could only be described as a shrine or something even more uh, bizarre, it looked like it was something involving satanic worship. It was strange and it was something I never had dealt with before. Based on this, I would ask him if he would be willing to come down to the police station to speak to me a little more about this case. In the interrogation room, detectives asked Vinicio about his relationship with Beatriz. And he seems to be fairly open telling about how he and Beatrice met through this mutual friend, uh, Rolando Bini. Venicio explains that Rolando Bini is the owner of a natural food store in Queens, and he had introduced Venicio to Beatrice a few months earlier. Beatrice at the time was the girlfriend of Rolando Bini, and so Mr. Valverde would be in the shop and she would be there as well, and they really struck up conversations and started to become a little closer Venicio claims that Beatriz confided in him that Rolando had been abusing her. She was saying how she was miserable and how Beanie would treat her like a slave and would keep her locked up in a room all the time. Eager to help, 
Vinicio offered to let Beatriz move in with him, but he says the relationship didn't last long, and she took off about a month before. Beatriz had told him that she was leaving him because she needed somebody that can afford her the life that she's used to. He claimed that Beach was just like the party that liked to party a lot and liked to find her clothes and food and stuff. He was like a day laborer, so he was just barely making ends meet, and he just wasn't able to do that. He says the last time he saw Beatrice, a Hispanic musician from Manhattan, picked up Beatrice and all of her belongings, and that she left as for the strange shrine in his apartment, Vinicio says that it was his way of trying to bring Beatriz back to him. And he was just telling me that his girlfriend had left him and that he just has his memorial going. He said that this was more of a loving type of a nature that he was using to get Beatrice to realize she had made a mistake and that she really should come back to him. When detectives dropped the bombshell that they believed Beatriz was murdered, Vinicio is devastated, but he says he knows exactly who's responsible, Rolando Beanie. Her and Mr. Beanie, they had an on-again, off-again relationship, and it was very tarnished, and so he believes that maybe he had something to do with it and that maybe the musician actually picked, him, picked her up and took her back to Beanie. As they wrap up their interview with Vinicio, he agrees to allow police to search his home. Meanwhile, they have another person of interest, Rolando Bini. The police looked at him as a suspect, but they also looked at him as someone to give information. Detectives tracked down Rolando Bini, and he has far more to say than they ever expected. He actually wound up flipping the script onto Vinicio Valverde. Rolando admits to dating Beatriz Alvarez a few months earlier, but he says that Vinicio's accusations of abuse are outright lies. In fact, he says that Beatrice had contacted him recently, saying she wanted out. Beatrice was contacting him to ask him for financial assistance so that she could leave Mr. Valverde. Police learned there's much more to Vinicio Valverde than meets the eye. Vinicio was an unusual character and into some occult practices and the religion of Santeria. He claimed that he had psychic powers and that he could cast spells on people, basically charging people money to have bad spirits and bad karma washed away from them. Rolando tells police that over time, Vinicio's spiritual practices had become even more extreme. He started to believe in really dark things like black magic, meaning harmful things uh, where people would suffer violent events. Investigators are stunned by Rolando's accusations, and now they aren't sure who to believe. But they were able to quickly determine that Rolando Bini really had nothing to do with the disappearance of Beatrice Alvarez. Vinicio Valverde, however, is a different story. He has these cult-like tendencies, and clearly we have Beatrice who shows signs of a cult-like murder and mutilation. Detectives hone in on Beatriz's ex-boyfriend, but it will take the weather to reveal the truth behind her murder. They move the panel, and the shock and horror in that instant must have been overwhelming. 
I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. A month after powerful rains exposed the body of who police believe is 20-year-old Beatriz Alvarez, they are narrowing in on the victim's ex-boyfriend, 31-year-old Vinicio Valverde. Now, a witness has accused Vinicio of being deeply interested in the dark arts. Mr. Beanie told the police that uh, Vinicio Valverde held himself out as a psychic. He was into the occult. He was into black magic. The more detectives learn about Vinicio, the more their suspicions must be raised. This is not a typical person going around doing typical things. But did Vinicio's bizarre hobby lead him to commit murder? To find out, police decide to search his apartment. Back in Vinicio's room, detectives focus on the bed first. We took the sheets and stuff off and everything looked fine. Uh, we didn't lift the mattress, and as soon as I lift the mattress, I was shocked because you could clearly see blood on the mattress. Police then spray a chemical known as luminol that exhibits a blue glow when it comes in contact with blood. And they make it as dark as possible and they come over black lights. Uh, I remember them spraying it on the mattress and on the walls. They turned out all the lights, and it was like a Christmas tree. There was blood everywhere. Police then discover even more disturbing evidence. They recovered the items from the shrine piece by piece. And some of those items included a picture of what turned out to be Beatrice Alvarez, religious items that were located upside down, candles of a religious nature, and a cardboard pentagram that was all these items were on top of. There was a hatchet. There was a, a knife that had a red something to bleed to be blood on it and a sledgehammer. Based on this, it was my determination that I had the right person. One of my big concerns now was still I could not find where these hands were. Investigators tear apart Vinicio's apartment looking for Beatriz's severed hands. But after hours of searching, they find nothing. So authorities consult with experts in the occult. They were convinced that this was Santeria and if they kill somebody, they believe that that spirit will come back to haunt you. But if you keep that body part, the spirit can never come back. That hand was somewhere in the house. And so it was determined to bring in cadaver-sniffing dogs. However, the hot, wet weather conditions once again pose a challenge for law enforcement. 
the humidity and stuff was affecting their, their sense of uh, smell. And when it's hot, you can only push them with so much. You see, in humid conditions, the moisture could actually trap odor-causing particles and allow them to travel farther, linger longer. So if you have a scent dog, it's gonna make it more difficult for that scent dog to actually pinpoint where the odor originates from. And so the first attempt that we had with the dogs did not re reveal any results, really due to the weather. The following day, investigators try again, this time in the morning. The weather was cooler, less humid, and more conducive for the dogs to pick up a scent. They kept hitting on the closet, but we checked the closet, we couldn't find anything. It was scratching and standing on its legs and looking up at the ceiling. So the handler for that dog looked up into the closet, saw that there had what appeared to be a false ceiling in there, reached up and pulled down on the ceiling in the closet. That's when police finally find what they've been looking for. I was shocked to see the hand just fall from the ceiling. And then the condition it was in, it, it, it was mummified. That summer, Spring Valley had several hot days, well into the 90s. And so you got to think, hot air rises. This also includes in your house. That hot air rises and actually goes up into the attic and can get trapped in the attic. And that's when those temperatures can really soar. Unfortunately, it's only one hand. But thanks to the heat and less humid conditions, the hand mummified instead of decomposing. It was up in there with the heat and the humidity and stuff. I think that played a major role in mummifying this hand. Detectives rush the hand to the medical examiner's office for testing, but they can't arrest Vinicio just yet. Now we have to connect the hand to the body and the body to Beatrice Alvarez. And how are we gonna do that? This caused more problems because a mummified hand was not able to get any fingerprints off of it. And DNA testing could take months. Back in 1998, the process of DNA identification was not as sophisticated as it is today, and it took much longer for those results to come in. Detectives re-interview Vinicio, but the evidence they found doesn't scare him into confessing. Even after the mummified hand was found in Mr. Valverde's room, uh, he still denied having any involvement in her murder and disappearance. Venezio spins the tale that five days after Beatrice went missing, someone broke into his apartment and obviously planted the hand and the other evidence. At one point, he even suggested that the police planted the hand in his closet. Finally, after two months of testing fingerprints and DNA, police have officially confirmed the identity of their Jane Doe. Fortunately, the medical examiner was able to do a chemical rehydration process to make the tissue pliable enough to obtain those prints. We were able to get DNA sample from the body and from the hand that ultimately matched the body. And since the hand fingerprint matched, we now had our, our identification. That burned, mutilated body that was found in the creek was Beatrice Alvarez. On September 19, 1998, Benicio Valverde is charged with the murder of Beatriz Alvarez. As the prosecution prepares for trial, it's anything but a slam dunk case. There was no eyewitness. He did not confess to the crime. Will the circumstantial evidence be enough to convince a jury?
1998, the ripple effects of a strong El Nino were contributing to extreme weather across the planet. So across the globe, it was blamed for more than 2,100 deaths and roughly $33 billion in damage. Now, I know we can't directly associate El Nino and see how it impacted Spring Valley, but what we do know is during El Nino years, they get wet springs and early summers, and it definitely poured that June. And on June 13th, that rainfall caused a young woman's body to float to the surface of a backyard creek in Spring Valley, New York. If it wasn't for that rainstorm, Beatrice Alvarez's body may have never been located. But the weather proved to be a double-edged sword. Was there evidence that had washed away that could have brought them to Venezio earlier? Probably. With the humidity, it played havoc on the dogs. And also by being so hot at times, you can only work a dog so much. Yet it also helped them identify their victim. The heat mummifying the hand preserved it long enough that it could be worked upon to get the fingerprints. Had the weather been different, I don't believe it would have been in that condition. All of this had led investigators to charge Beatriz's ex-boyfriend, Vinicio Valverde, with her murder. However, the prosecution is still dealing with a circumstantial case. There was no eyewitness. He did not confess to the crime. But circumstantial evidence is very powerful, and sometimes it's even better than eyewitness testimony. In June 1999, 32-year-old Vinicio Valverde goes to trial for second-degree murder. Prosecutors lay out their opening arguments. They claim that Vinicio was nothing more than a con artist who became obsessed with Beatriz. I believe that this was a hardworking man who worked every day. Uh, he went to the city, he met this gorgeous woman. Vinicio Valverde claimed that he had more money than he really did, that he was more successful than he really was. And I think Beatrice was uh, stricken by that and decided to leave Rolando to go live with Vinicio Valverde. And he was willing to do anything to give her a better life, but to not give her that kind of life. Once Beatrice realized he had lied, she wanted to go back to Rolando, and the two got into a physical fight. This was the woman he loved, was probably obsessed with, who was leaving him. And he was not going to allow that to happen. And that based on that rejection, he basically said, if, if I can't have you, no one will. He's just a very jealous person, and he just snapped, and unfortunately, he brutally killed her. The panic set in. I think after realizing what he did, he has to dispose of this body, so he starts to, uh, disassembling it by chopping our hands off. He removed her hands for two reasons. One, to prevent any identification of her, but also by keeping it in his closet, that was went towards his beliefs in keeping a trophy or piece of the person close by uh, when he was doing his uh, worship in his black magic with the shrine. The state says that in the dead of night, Vinicio snuck Beatriz's body to a remote drainage ditch. She was placed inside these contractor heavy garbage bags, brought to the drainage ditch where an accelerant was used to burn the body inside the ditch in the hopes that it would decompose in that drainage ditch. But Vinicio never imagined that the weather would foil his careful plan. It was not something that often was flushed through with the weather, except for the unusual weather that happened. 
It was another miraculous feat of the weather that led investigators to identifying Beatriz. We had a mummified hand dropped from his ceiling that belonged to Beatrice Alvarez. We did not find the other hand. However, Venicio's defense pushes back, arguing that someone else could have planted evidence in his apartment. The defense attorney, really his only defense was that, well, none of this proves that Venicio did actually do the killing. But the jury isn't convinced. After less than five hours of deliberating, they find Venicio Valverde guilty of killing Beatriz Alvarez. You really do feel that justice is served, not only for Beatrice Alvarez, but for people that knew her, for friends, any family. On July 20th, 1999, Venicio Valverde is sentenced to 25 years to life. You can't be totally sane to do what he did. It is a sick mind. That is a person that should spend the rest of their life behind bars. For those involved, Beatriz Alvarez's murder will never be forgotten. This case was very difficult for the police, for me as prosecutor, because of the brutal nature of the killing. I gave my heart, my soul into this case. Nobody could ever do anything to deserve what this poor girl went through. But if it wasn't for a weather phenomenon, no one might have ever known what happened to Beatriz Alvarez. If it was not for this unusual weather pattern that had occurred, who knows how long that body would have been and if it would ever have been found.